passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 189 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. The sports calendar is absolutely packed this time of year. College football playoff, NBA, NCAA basketball, NHL, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Oh, and how can I forget? NFL down the stretch, we come at the regular season. Playoffs are coming soon. So, yeah, get in on the action at Bet Online. You can always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Head to Bet Online AG today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards and get your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 190 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I can't do it, homie, it can't be done. I'ma let the champagne bottle pop. I'ma take it to the top. Show, I'ma make it hot, baby. baby. I'm not pressing the this nothing I pop. Still yeah. bump, squeezing my pistol. I'm sure that I got it. Uh-huh. I the pipe and pick peppers and run rock rounds. I'm 50 cent, I write a little bit, but I pop nines. <laughs> Tell me, get the money right, cause I got mine. Uh-huh. And I'm around, quit playing. You can't shine. Woo! You gon' be that next chump. Then up in the trunk. After being hit by the pump. Is that what you want? Be easy, homie. I lay it out. Believe me, homie. That's what I'm about. Gangsta. You can find it. Welcome back, welcome back. Episode 190 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network. It's yours truly, ATH Aaron Tobin has come to you on a Monday afternoon. We're in the week between Christmas and New Year's, and we had a lot going on in sports, specifically NBA and NFL related. We're going to talk about the Knicks right now and the current state of the Knicks after their eight-game winning streak. They have now lost three straight, something I kind of saw coming, but we'll get to them with a recurring guest in just a matter of moments. But we got to start with the NFL and the New York Giants. They lose a tough one Saturday afternoon, 27 to 24 in Minnesota. Just a couple of bad mistakes. Some bad drop passes, a blocked punt, red zone interception, but all things considered, Daniel Jones played pretty well. I mean, his wide receivers are just awful. I think this game really summed up that the Giants, when this season's all said and done, they're going to get in the playoffs. They're going to sneak in. They're kind of going to get in by default. But 
I think Daniel Jones will get a two-year contract and the Giants will devote resources to getting him good weapons because he's earned it. I mean, he's played well enough with really bad weapons to see what you have here with this head coach, with this offensive coordinator. So we'll see what happens there. But kudos to him. He played pretty well. Saquon Barkley looked pretty good. I mean, he had that monster run on fourth down, score the touchdown to put them within the game-tying two-point conversion. And just bad luck by the Giants. I mean, how many times will the Giants lose on 60-plus yard field goals? It's just crazy, absolutely crazy. I, I know I kind of still feel good about the Giants, but the fact that they continuously lose on 60-plus yarders is nuts. No other team. It doesn't happen to any other team. It's really wild. So they got to take care of business on Sunday against the Colts. And we'll get the picks against the spread. But they got to take care of business against the Colts. And if they can get Dory Jackson back and Xavier McKinney back with Kayvon Thibodeau coming on, and becoming a monster, like, they could be a little frisky in the playoffs. Could I see them winning a rematch against this same Vikings team in the 3-6 matchup? Assuming San Francisco passes the Vikings? Yeah, I, I could. Now, I don't like their chances potentially against San Francisco, because I think San Francisco is the best team in the NFC, but the Giants could be a little frisky. They're coached so well and just a tough loss for them when they could have clinched a playoff spot on Saturday. As for the New York Jets, Thursday night was an abomination. Shout out to any of those fans who sat through that game. 19-3 loss in terrible, rainy weather. Zach Wilson was absolutely horrific and got benched for a guy who was undrafted. Uh, the Jets season should be done. It should be over. But the Miami Dolphins and my guy Tua Tungvaloa can't seem to get one freaking win. Tua, you're not making me look good here. But so as bad as it's been for the Jets recently, and I still think it's going to get worse, their playoffs hopes are still alive. So for Jets fans, I know you're hoping for Mike White's ribs to be right. I'm not sure it's going to matter, but at least he gives you a better chance to win. But this Jets season is coming to a screeching halt. I don't think they're going to win another game the rest of the year. I definitely don't think they're going to beat the Dolphins in the last game of the season. So, But I guess there's hope, right? There's hope for the Jets. Around the NFL, real quick, I just mentioned the Miami Dolphins. Losing 26-20 to at home against the Green Bay Packers, a Packers team that is not very good. The Dolphins gave away that game in the fourth quarter. Dolphins team who had played really well at home all year. Like, what was that? I mean, Tua Tungvaloa, three interceptions in the fourth quarter. Absolutely grotesque. Absolutely grotesque. I, I, I can't even believe what I watched in that fourth quarter out of the Miami Dolphins. They, besides for just Tua, they just did dumb penalties. It was just like everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Dolphins. Do I still think they're going to make the playoffs? Yes. Do I still think Tua is good, even though he had a terrible fourth quarter? Yes, I still think he's good. But my goodness, that was absolutely atrocious. Talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars. This team's going to make the playoffs. The Tennessee Titans at one point were 7-2. and two. And now the Tennessee Titans, with Ryan Tannehill out, May not win another game, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who was everybody's darling, mine included, 
at the beginning of the year are probably going to win the division. Trevor Lawrence wasn't great Thursday night. I needed him to be a little bit better for my fantasy matchup, but no one cares about my fantasy team, be that as it may. He didn't have to be because the Jets shat all over themselves, but this Jacksonville Jaguars team goes from last year having Urban Meyer, the worst coaching situation in the league, by far one of the worst coaching situations in league history, to Doug Peterson, who's definitely competent, and look what happens. I I know it's a bad division, but the turnaround is great, and and Trevor Lawrence has been balling since week nine. I would love their chances if they got to play Baltimore. I know this is looking ahead, Baltimore in the 4-5 matchup. I love the Jaguars' chances in that game. As I mentioned before, the 49ers took care of the commanders. Brock Purdy, doesn't matter, 37-20. I think the Niners are the best team in the NFC. I know the Eagles are 13-2. I know they're the number one seed. But this Niners team is just ferocious. That defense is absolutely ferocious. They've got playmakers. Purdy is good enough. Kyle Shannon coaches him up. I expect the 49ers to make the Super Bowl. And last but not least, before we get into picks against the spread, the Denver Broncos, a team I was high on before the year. I've always been a Russell Wilson guy throughout the years. But my goodness, this Russell Wilson-Denver Broncos situation is an absolute abomination. They got waxed by the L.A. Rams. 50-14, 50-14, to 51-14, to 14, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. A Rams team that has been horrific. Baker Mayfield that was dumped by the Carolina Panthers. Torched them. Torched them. And the defense had been good all year. Russell Wilson, just a, an awful game. Absolutely awful. The Broncos gave up two firsts, two seconds. You know, a guy like Noah Fant, who's a quality player. To pay Russell Wilson $153 million guaranteed for the next four years. Absolutely horrific. I mean, this trade is is a disaster. A straight-up disaster. His teammates don't like him. He doesn't seem to get along with the coach or are on the same page with the coach. I don't know where the Denver Broncos go from here. I mean, what an unmitigated disaster. All right. Week 17 picks against the spread. Two and three last week, so the record's 29-30-2. and two. On the year, the Miami Dolphins, you really hurt my feelings this time, but we're going to look to rebound last one of the calendar year. So here we go. One, I got the Giants. We're riding the Giants again, minus three at home against the Colts. I, I know the game tonight against the Chargers hasn't happened yet, time of recording, but I'm riding with the Giants. It just seems disrespectful by Vegas to make the Giants only three-point favorites against a bad Colts team at home. So I'm going to take the Giants minus three at two. I've got San Francisco minus six against the Raiders. The Raiders just, you know, put a fork in them. They had a chance to stay alive, got beaten up by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know that game was cold. Derek Carr had three interceptions. So I'm riding with the Niners on the road, minus six against the Raiders. Jags minus four against the Texans. Jaguars want to win the division. It's right in front of them. Take care of business against the Texans. I know the Texans have been playing better football of late, but I'm going to take the Jaguars here. I've got Miami, number four, Miami, minus one against the Patriots. 
We're going back to the well. This Patriots team is terrible. Is absolutely terrible. If you are at all a Miami Dolphins believer, you have to think that they're going to take care of business against the Patriots. I got the minus one. And then last but not least, I've got the Steelers plus three and a half against the Ravens. It's looking more like Lamar Jackson will not play. And this Ravens team is horrific on offense without him. So we're going to take the Steelers here. Again, to recap, Giants minus three, San Francisco minus six, Jags minus four, Miami minus one, Steelers plus three and a half. Those are your week 17's picks against the spread. All lines are brought to you by betonline.ag, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. I know I normally like to take more underdogs, but that's not what the card dictates this week. So those are this week's picks against the spread. Before we get into Nick's talk with a recurring guest, just a couple of notes from the Christmas Day games that I noticed. First and foremost, the Bucs need to make a trade. Yes, Joe Ingles is making his way back from a torn ACL. He's just getting back in the fold. I think he's going to be better, and I think he's going to help them. Yes, there was no Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, their best pick-and-roll ball handler, makes things happen in offense, their second-leading score. I know he's out. He'll get right, and he'll be better for the Bucs. But the Bucs need to upgrade the Grayson Allen, George Hill, Javon Carter spot. The Celtics had it going. Jason Tatum was tremendous yesterday, and that game got out of hand. But you really see without Middleton and another guy in that spot that the Bucs are limited offensively. And the Celtics did a good job of walling off Giannis. He did not have his best game. You know, even in a mediocre Giannis game is 24 and 13 at this point. Just goes to show you how great he is. But if the Bucs really want to win a title, and I still think that they and the Celtics are a notch and a half above everybody else in the league, the Bucs need to make a trade at the deadline. Uh, two, Nikola Jokic is an absolute marvel. The offensive skills, how awkward it looks, but it doesn't matter. Just incredible. And that Aaron Gordon dunk last night over Landry Shamit was one of the great dunks in NBA history. And it's a good win by Denver. I know... It was an overtime. I know Devin Booker didn't play, but that's a good win considering Phoenix was in that game and leading a lot of the game. But Denver's defense is a little bit of a cause for concern. I picked Denver to win the West. I think that they're all said and done going to have the best record in the West. But Denver's defense needs to be shorn up a little bit if they really want to be considered a viable title contender. I mean, giving up 125 to Phoenix without Devin Booker is is not a great look for Denver. So I'm going to be interesting to see what happens there. And last but not least, the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm pro Memphis. I like this Memphis team. I think push comes to shove. They are the best team in the West. But they do a whole lot of talking and a whole lot of corny stuff for a team that's only achieved one second-round playoff appearance. When you talk trash to a prideful team that has won a lot of games and has won championships, to a team that's awesome at home, even without Steph Curry, well, that's not great. And what happened was is they got their asses kicked last night in Golden State. No Steph Curry, didn't matter. Jordan Poole went crazy. Draymond Green didn't really score, but dominated the game and let Memphis know it. Now, I love 
how much these teams hate each other and a respectful hatred. And you heard Clay Thompson talk about it in the post-game interview. But Memphis, you got to accomplish a couple of things before you're going to talk trash to the big bad wolf. And you saw a little bit of that respectful hatred in the Boston-Milwaukee game too. Giannis and Jalen Brown going at it. I love this. I need more chippiness in the NBA. But yeah, Memphis. Let's climb the ladder first before we start woofing at the big dogs, all right? I know Golden State is down right now, but let's let's chill with the trash talk and the corny pregame dances, and, and let's win some playoff series first. With that said, we are going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the Knicks, what happened in yesterday's game, what's going on with the franchise. We're going to talk to him in just a matter of moments. So I mentioned at the end of the last segment that we were going to have on a recurring guest to talk about the Knicks in greater detail. We recorded the segment, or at least started to. We were having audio issues. The audio was not usable. Had to scrap the whole thing. Wanted to get something out beforehand. So a couple of Knicks thoughts myself for a little bit. The Knicks were coming off an eight-game winning streak. Lose to the Raptors. Pascal Siakam goes crazy. Fine, it happens. The streak had to come to an end. Now the losing streak is at three games after losing to the Chicago Bulls. After they beat them twice, they embarrassed them twice. It's hard to beat a team three times in a row. They lose to the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan hits a game-winning shot at the end of the game to win, basically a buzzer beater. And then on Christmas Day, a game against the Philadelphia 76ers at home, the Knicks lose when they're up basically the entire first half. They end up losing by double digits. No, I'm sorry. They lost by seven points. Yes, I'm sorry. 119-112. All right, fine. So I know Knicks Twitter was getting really excited, really, really excited during the eight-game winning streak. And yeah, part of me enjoyed it, but I also understood that it wasn't sustainable. And I predicted that the slide was going to come that there was going to be a nice slide coming. The bottom line is this. This Knicks team isn't nearly as good as that eight-game winning streak, and they are more like the team that is losing three straight games. Now, do I think they're going to go on an eight-game losing streak? No. No, I don't. But the same problems that I've been talking about with this Knicks team and this Knicks franchise as a whole still exist, very much exist, even though they won eight games. Again, not a whole heck of a lot of impressive opponents in this eight-game winning streak, minus that one game to start it off against the Cavs, which basically saved Tom Thibodeau's job. But still, this is what this team is, all right? It's an average team. I think it's slightly below average. They play hard. There's a level of competency that they didn't have before. Jalen Brunson is a big part of that. He's had a really nice year. But Knicks fans have talked themselves into Jalen Brunson being the savior of the franchise. Jalen Brunson is not a number one or number two option on a really good team. He's probably a steady floor general who's a third option on a really good team. And that's not a bad guy to have. It's not a bad guy to have. But I have Knicks fans in my life telling me he's amazing. You know what point guards in the NBA are amazing? Steph Curry, John Morant, Damian Lillard. 
Darius Garland is very, very good. Not amazing. Very, very good. Jalen Brunson is good. He's good. He's borderline all-star level this year. But his numbers have gone up because he's had more opportunity, which is okay. And he's earned it. But let's not make it out to be that he's something that he isn't. He's good. He's not awesome. Okay? R.J. Barrett. Let's go down the line. R.J. Barrett. The Knicks basically had a franchise-altering decision. They're at a fork in the road. Do we do a consolidation trade this summer involving R.J. Barrett as a centerpiece of a deal for Donovan Mitchell? They're probably going to have to throw in maybe a Quentin Grimes, maybe an Emmanuel Quickly. There are going to be picks involved. Whatever it was, R.J. Barrett was going to be the centerpiece of the deal. When they were negotiating, Danny Ainge, as it came out, did not want the Knicks to sign R.J. Barrett to his extension. They did anyway as an F you to Danny Ainge. And Danny Ainge said, fuck you to the Knicks and traded Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs. Donovan Mitchell's having an all-NBA season. Cavs are third in the East. The Knicks right now are sixth in the East, but you're going to see them fall back in the standings a little bit. All right, fine. R.J. Barrett starts out slow, has a couple of hot games, but it seems to be that there's tunnel vision there. He doesn't seem like a passer. He doesn't really do anything super above average. It's like two steps forward, one step back with him. He had a great game against the Bulls. They lost. He has an absolute stinker of a game against the Sixers on Christmas Day. Do I think R.J. Barrett has a chance? Do I think he can have a Chris Middleton-like career? Yes, being the second or third best player on a really good championship-level team, yes. But again, this is expectations. Knicks fans are telling me that he's the second coming, that he's going to be an all-star, and that he's like the second coming of Jimmy Butler. That's not happening, folks. It's not happening. First of all, it doesn't seem like he has the work ethic that Jimmy Butler has, number one. Number two, Jimmy Butler does things above average. What does R.J. Barrett do above average? And then that brings me to Julius Randle. So if Jalen Brunson's not your top dog, if R.J. Barrett's not a top dog, Julius Randle's the de facto top dog. Well, we know what that is. And give Julius Randle his credit, right? He has played a lot better this season. He's somewhere in between the year he made All-NBA two years ago and last year's dog shit of a season. He's somewhere in between. And for the most part, especially in this last two and a half weeks, the effort on defense has been better. You can tell when he's locked in defensively. It just looks so much better. And when he's not having one of those nights where he's not going to give a crap, it is incredibly evident that he's not going to give a crap. But okay, what is this team? What is this team? You saw against the Sixers on Sunday where they couldn't figure out a simple 2-3 zone. There's no offensive creativity. It's everybody just stand around, watch Jalen Brunson. You go high pick and roll or try and break down the defense. Jalen Brunson doesn't seem to 
you know, throw a skip pass to which would lead to a hockey assist. He's basically just passing to get assists. The ball doesn't move. Players don't move. They stand around. Tom Thibodeau, yeah, he gets his guys playing hard, and they've played better defensively. Mitchell Robinson's really helped on the defensive end. He's had a really nice year. But there's no imagination on offense. And it goes back to the old ISO Julius, ISO Brunson. Let's let's have Barrett have a couple of possessions, and it's gross. And it seems like when Barrett has a nice game, Julius can't really have a nice game. Julius' stats look as empty calorie as they can be. I mean, Sunday was a perfect example of that. Had a monster first half. Second half was kind of blah. You know, box score will show big numbers, but it doesn't really result in anything positive. It It's just more of the same. So, yes, on the one hand, they should be celebrated for playing hard and punching above their weight right now. And we shouldn't always look at the regular season as meaningless, especially for a franchise that hasn't even been relevant for the better part of 25 fucking years. No, excuse me, 20 years in the regular season. But again, where are you going? You still haven't figured out what Obi Toppin is and he's up for an extension. Emmanuel quickly is getting minutes as like a super sixth man, but he's up for an extension. If you decide to bring those players back and you have Julius Randle on the roster, then you're basically locked in. This is your roster. You're going to win 38 to 40 games a year. I think it's going to be a little under that this year. And that's what it is. Are you satisfied with that? Does that make you happy? After you've been stockpiling all these assets and tradable contracts to go land the other star, your headline guy, where is that guy coming from? And don't tell me it's Trey Young. We've heard the rumors about Trey Young that he may want out. Chris Haynes had the report. I honestly think I'd rather have Jalen Brunson if I'm starting a team than Trey Young because at least Jalen Brunson's teammates like him. It's just more of the same with this Knicks team. And and for all the Knicks fans who are getting so excited about the eight-game winning streak, go look at the opponents that they played. Are you really that excited? This team is average to slightly below average. That's what they are. This is the reality, folks. Thinking anything else is just unwise. It's unwise. And there's not a lot of moves here. I mean, we all want Julius Randle to be traded. But what team is really going to look to trade for Julius Randle? First of all, Leon Rose seems to love the guy. He's part of the La Familia at New York Knicks right now. And who's going to trade for a guy who's clearly at his best when the ball is constantly in his hands when he shouldn't be a number one option? He puts up number one option numbers, but we see the results on the floor is when Julius Randle's your number one option, it doesn't really lead to anything great. And does he, or is he even able to fit into being a second or a third option somewhere else? I honestly think at this point, R.J. Barrett may be better off 
coming off the bench. I know that Phil Simmons mentioned it on his podcast if the Knicks were interested in trading for DeMar DeRozan. I'm not really sure I want that. Zach Levine, I'm not really sure I want that. But the notion of R.J. Barrett coming off the bench is not crazy to me. It's not. It's just, this team's just blah. It's blah. And yeah, if I recorded this podcast a week ago, it would have been different vibes. Slightly different vibes, because I've been a skeptic this entire time. And I'm proving out to be correct once again about this team. So, Knicks fans, just ride it out. Ride out the mediocrity. That's what we're doing now, all right? That's the situation at hand. But don't try to tell me that the Knicks or any of their players are anything more than what I just outlined, because that's just not the case. And just one quick shout out, because no one really cares about the Nets, but shout out to the Nets. They're playing good basketball, recording on a Monday night. They just beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. Go look at Kevin Durant's season this year. Go look at his numbers. He's shooting about 55% from two this year, and he shoots a ton of mid-range jumpers. He's averaging like 29 points. Just absurd. An absurd season from him. I I can't believe how good he's been, but whatever. Fuck the Nets. No one cares. Uh, We're going to try and bring a guest on later in this show. But if not, uh, here's a quick Knicks rant for you. And yeah, Knicks fans, buckle up. Because it's not getting much better than this. And just when I thought I could put a bow on episode 190, this solo show, recording on a Tuesday morning, a little addendum, a second addendum, talked about the Knicks and how it's going to be a roller coaster and how whatever the slide was coming. But not even I could have predicted what happened last night. It started out as an enjoyable watching experience for me. Quentin Grimes was getting a ton of burn and played incredibly well. Emmanuel quickly was showing that he's a good point guard, something that I've been calling for for him to play point guard more. He showed that he's very capable. Deuce McBride getting a ton of minutes. Grimes and Deuce, they were playing Luka about as well as you can play a guy like that. And I'm watching the game, and the Knicks are up, and Randall has it going in the first three quarters. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. It's a good way to stop a three-game losing streak. Mitchell Robinson is rebounding the hell out of the ball, protecting the rim. And things are gravy. R.J. Barrett got hurt in the early in the first quarter, within the first minute, actually. And he was out the rest of the game. Jalen Brunson didn't play, so the Knicks were shorthanded. And still, they were balling out in Dallas. Dallas is not a particularly good team. It's basically Luka and the Luka Etz. Tough team to watch, but still, good good vibes were happening for the Knicks most of the game last night. And still going through it, as the Knicks are winning, Luka's putting up numbers. But even in the first three quarters, I know he was getting crazy numbers, but it didn't feel like, you know, there are different types of 40-point games, 50-point games. This was like one of the more quiet 40-point games as it was happening. I was just like, yeah, he's getting numbers, but it doesn't seem like they're as super impactful as normally a 40-point night would be, which would end up being a 50-point night. 
And then the fourth quarter starts. And those quiet numbers for Lucas start getting real loud. Real, real loud. But hey, the Knicks are, are in control of the game until about the last two minutes. The offense starts stalling. All the things we hate about this Knicks team, all the things we hate about Tom Thibodeau's offense are happening in real time. They are up nine points with about 38 seconds left. Couple of missed free throws. Guys have tired legs because Tibbs played them a lot of minutes. Something I can't kill Tibbs on. I'm not a Tom Thibodeau fan, as I mentioned before multiple times on this show. But I will not kill him for the minutes guys played last night. I don't want to see Evan Fournier ever again. Cam Reddish, it's just not happening, okay? Derrick Rose got some run with guys out. But I like Deuce McBride getting a lot of minutes and getting his feet wet. I like Quentin Grimes playing a lot of minutes. I like quickly playing a lot of minutes. I love that trio, okay? They're young guys. Let them play. Julius Randle's not a super old dude. He can handle a night where he has to play heavy minutes. All right? For all the critiques of Tom Thibodeau, that isn't one of them. I just, for those going crazy on Twitter about the minutes, the minutes, the minutes, like, stop. Stop. It's a young team. One night in Dallas, young guys can play heavy minutes. But anyway, so start missing free throws. Offense gets stagnant. Randall starts holding the ball again. It's it's bad. And the Knicks find themselves up one with eight seconds left. Deuce McBride goes to the line, makes two. The ball comes to Luka. He's pushing the ball up the floor. He gets fouled with 4.2 seconds left. Up three. They're in the bonus. And this is after Luka hit a monster three to put them within one then up three points he's gets fouled goes to the line has to make the first and miss the second it's a strategy that i agreed with in the time i thought the knicks executed it well i thought grimes executed the strategy well another thing you can't kill tom thibodeau for and luca makes the first i don't know why exactly they didn't have three big guys on the free throw line to box out and grab the rebound. It doesn't matter if they missed the free throw. Who cares at that point? There's not enough time really. But what? Okay. Whatever. Miss free throw. Ball gets batted down. Grimes and McBride go for it. They both kind of like almost collide. No one boxes out the shooter. Luka gets the rebound. Bang shot. We're going to overtime. I, I can't believe what's happening. And then Luca stomps on the Knicks' chest, rips their heart out in overtime. And by the end of the game, Luca amasses 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. I mean, basically something that hadn't been done in 54 years. Like some video game shit. This is some Wilt Chamberlain-like stuff where we don't see this anymore, except against the New York Knicks. I mean, you can't even make it up. You can't make it up. You just have to marvel at what Luka Doncic did because it's just absurd. It's momish absurd. And you, you can't help but just laugh 
that the Knicks find new ways to lose. Find new ways to lose. You think they were going to stop the three-game slide, but no. It's a four-game slide, and it's a fourth loss in a row, and the fourth loss was in extra spectacular fashion. Now, I will say this. There are some silver linings to this loss. Again, I love the fact that Grimes, McBride, and Quickly were getting those reps in. In a tough game, and, you know, even though I don't think Dallas is particularly good, it's still a tough place to play against one of the three to four best players in the world. These are good reps for them. I said this on Instagram last night. To me, Quentin Grimes is a more important piece and a better player, quite frankly, than R.J. Barrett is going forward. I've said this for a while. Grimes has elite skills. His passing, he doesn't get to show it that often because he doesn't have a high enough usage. He should be getting all those R.J. Barrett possessions, but he's not getting them, but whatever. His shooting is elite. He plays great defense. If he had that kind of usage, he'd be an all-star. I loved what I saw with him. I love what I saw out of Deuce McBride, even though he didn't shoot the ball great. I love what I saw out of Quickly. I love what I saw out of Mitchell Robinson. I'm not a Mitchell Robinson guy. These are the types of things that you want to see going forward if you're the Knicks. But I just, to say they find new ways to lose would be putting it mildly. And you just can't help but laugh. You can't help but laugh. It got... To the point where I was watching with my dad in the basement. And my dad doesn't get crazy about this stuff like I do anymore. But he was so invested in the game. It was like a throwback kind of moment for him. That when Luca hits the shot to go into overtime. He took the remote. Threw it at the couch. And was like, I'm not watching the rest of this. And just stormed upstairs. Absolutely hilarious. Just unbelievable. What can you say? They find new ways to lose. Luca, incredible. And if you're a Nick fan who's really invested in the outcomes of these games, you're just like shaking your head. You can't, just can't believe it. You can kill Tom Thibodeau about a lot of things, though. Again, the offense, maybe not throwing a double at Luca most of the night, considering he scored 27 of his 60 points in pick and roll situations. I saw that stat on Twitter today, which is bonkers. Like maybe switch it up a little bit. But I won't kill him about minutes played and the substitution patterns. And I won't kill him about fouling at the end of the game because it was the right strategy. It just didn't work out. But an unbelievably heartbreaking loss for the New York Knicks. Just can't even make it up. That's episode 190 for the love of the game. A solo episode after the new year. We'll be back to having guests. It was tough to schedule a guest. And obviously we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Again, episode 190 for the love of the game. Take us out 50. I'ma let the champagne bottle pop, I'ma take it to the top Show up, I'ma make it hot, baby, baby Do it, homie, it can't be done I'ma let the champagne bottle pop, I'ma take it to the top Show up, I'ma make it hot, baby, baby Uh-huh Make it hot Dr. Dre Aftermath Shady
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.